can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. And here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now high five, pound your neighbor. Whatever you feel good about doing. Oh, Scott, that's going to be longer. <laughs> Poor preacher, hard to get down anymore. Reach over and hug your neighbor and just tell them you love them. Would you do that right quick? All right, that's enough of that sappy stuff. That's, that's good. All right. We ought to be able to leave, leave church encouraged, enthused, and excited. Can I get an amen? amen. Are you enthused and excited so far? Amen. <laughs> good. Well, the sermon's going to start, so we'll try to stay up, up on top of that. So. That'll be an interesting sermon today. I, I'm leading into that for a reason. The title I have is The Kiss of Death. I've been looking at, at several different scriptures out of Matthew 26, 27, and Luke 22. Stay with me to the end of this, okay? Don't, don't bail out on me too fast. Because this is an important message. It's a message that needs to come home for each of us. Judas, I want to talk about Judas today. He's one of the most recognized names among all the original 12 disciples. However, his life remains a very sad mystery, or perhaps accurately, a sad tragedy. We all understand how the tragic story of his life ended when he committed suicide. The mystery of Judas revolves around the missing of the majesty of Christ. He was surrounded with the opportunity to go deeper with Jesus Christ. And he chose not to do that. Judas goes beyond refusing to accept the gift of eternal life. He betrays the Son of God with a kiss. Now betrayal. Betrayal is something only a friend or loved one can actually do. To betray one must first secure trust or loyalty of another. And then the enemy can attack you. Your competition may deceive you. A foe may plan for your destruction, but betrayal is a grievous act committed by one who has pledged support. Rejection may cause a wound, but betrayal pours salt to make it sting. Failure may knock you off your feet, but betrayal kicks you while you're down. Criticism and insult hurt your pride, but betrayal hurts your heart. Any of you understand what I'm saying? Scriptures refer to Judas as the betrayer. The betrayer. And his betrayal was a kiss of death. Jesus chose not to use the first pronoun Betray me when asking if Judas would betray the Son of Man with a kiss. The Lord's use of His messianic title describes the extent of this betrayal as more than just disagreement among friends. 
Judas was opposing the work of Almighty God for very selfish reasons. Jesus exposes this arrogant kiss, this kiss of betrayal as a shameful act of treason. But we need to first of all remember the exhortation. There will always remain questions about the life of Judas. But one thing that is certain is the powerful warning his story provides for those considering the gift of eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. Judas is a real-life illustration of the danger of being religious but lost. Being religious but lost. He is the most startling example that is possible to know about Jesus, but never know Jesus is one of his sheep who knows his voice. I'm going to be treading on extremely dangerous territory here today. So you say a prayer for me, that my words are received well, and that what I'm saying is not hurtful, but helpful. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he warned about the deception that eventually destroys Judas. Jesus declared there would be wolves in sheep's clothing. He warned of false teachers. He explained that weeds or tares would grow alongside of the good wheat. But the day of judgment would reveal those true believers. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preached about those who claimed to perform God-honoring works. And he would say of them, I never knew you. We must allow this tragic story of Judas to urge us to remember the clear teaching of Jesus that being aware of his ministry is not the same thing as embracing him as the Son of Man who gave his life to redeem us from our sin. In this room today, Everybody knows Jesus. You know who He is. You know what He is. Stories are often more effective teaching tools. Jesus used it as a master teacher. And He would describe uh, uh, illustrations and use them in teaching His lessons about the kingdom of God and the Messiah's role in establishing that kingdom. Judas's story reads like one of the parables ending with the fierce reality of suffering and consequences from bad decisions. But we must be careful not to dismiss this story as fiction. Judas was a real man who walked with Jesus for almost three years. But he never allowed the power of Christ to transform his life. I've known people who have been Christians. They know about God and have for years but he's never transformed them so perhaps Judas as well as us we need to conduct an examination we need to examine things my son Corey I was so proud that he was here today he had oral surgery Friday he had his wisdom teeth cut out and if you've been there you know what he's been going through with the ice packs on his cheeks and the painkillers he's fun when he's got the painkillers going Megan's had fun with him. I know she has. It's been great. Probably let old champ kiss him and he thought Megan was down there giving him a kiss. But when you consider the life of Judas, you see, Corey's teeth needed to be examined and he knew he needed to bring them out. 
Well, we need to do that in our life. Because when you consider the life of Judas, the question always surfaces, was Judas saved? Here, I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge right now, okay? Stay with me. It is a question, I believe, that needs to be examined. Some think that Judas may have been a true believer who was overcome with temptation to betray Jesus for personal gain. I mean, after all, the Apostle Paul admitted that he sometimes struggled with sin. In Romans chapter 7, the thing he wanted to do, he wasn't doing the thing he didn't want to do. He found himself doing any of you understand that way. But when you examine closely the Scripture, it paints a picture of a man who never accepted God's amazing grace to be born again, speaking of Judas. In John chapter 6, verses 66 through 71, I'm not going to read all of that, but you do in your quiet time, the Bible reveals that that Judas did not believe that Jesus was the bread of life. Look, if you have your Bibles, I want to look at one verse, chapter 6, verse 64. Turn to that. Jeff, do we have that on the overhead? Is that one? Okay. There are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew which of them did not believe who would betray Him. How about that? You see, we've always said that Jesus, God knows everything, correct? Well, He knew who it was. At this early stage in their ministry, He knew who it was. Later in Bethany, when Mary anoints Jesus with costly perfume and as an act of worship, the Bible records that Judas opposing the worship of Christ with a hypocritical statement about selling the perfume and giving the proceeds to the poor. He started his, his true character starting to show up here, isn't it? Not only did he not approve of the extravagance or the passionate worship of Jesus. He was also stealing money out of the offerings used to support the ministry of the disciples. Did you know that? Take a look at John 12, 3 through 6. The old boy's taking the money and sliding a little in his pocket. Got to watch those church treasurers, don't you? When they're driving those new cars. Hello! So keep your eye on Sister Vanessa back there. She's driving a new car. And by the way, that suntan was uh, from her trip to, where did you go? Oh, excuse me, Cozumel. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Well, we're all here in the rain and the hail, and she's in Cozumel. She said, I want to be a part of the prayer vigil. I said, that's awesome. She goes, nah, I'll just do it from the beach in Cozumel. <laughs> well, I prayed for her when I was in the prayer room back there. So. But no, thank you. And that's the beauty of it. You see, prayer can be from anywhere, can't it? And so she was able to be a part of our prayer vigil and had this trip planned, and praise the Lord. Matthew chapters 26-27 is where we read the final acts of Judas's life. Selling information for 30 pieces of silver, betraying our Savior with a kiss, and then committing suicide. If you were to summarize Judas's life, there's six things that you would see. Number one, he refused to believe the claims of Christ. He refused to do it. How do I know that? Well, look what he did. Look what he did. Because actions speak louder than words. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. So by what they produce. What fruit is that? Are we all supposed to be bananas or fruity? (laughs) Go to Galatians 5, start at 22. There they are, nine of them. Should be producing that fruit of the Spirit. 
It should be obvious in 1 Timothy 4. It should be evident to all of your growth in Christ. Ooh. He refused to believe. Secondly, he opposed the worship of Christ by others. When Mary came to anoint, she was so graceful that she had been redeemed and she had been her sin had been released from her. She poured out that alabaster of oil and washed it with her hair on the feet of Jesus. I mean, she couldn't give enough. She gave the most expensive gift she had in honor and recognition of her master. What are you and I giving him other than a hard time? Well, where were you on 9-11? God, or where were you when that captain got captured by those pirates off of Somalia. Well, God, where were you when that child skipping across the parking lot had that Sunday school teacher take her and rape her and kill her? Where were you? Where were you, God, when they told me that I had cancer? Where are you? Where have you been? What's that going on? Are you following me so far? Are you staying up with me? Number three, he stole money that was given to support the ministry of Christ. These are all biblically based. Four, he used his association with Jesus and the disciples for personal gain and demonstrated a total disregard for their safety. Five, he mocked the Son of God by betraying him with a kiss. And then six, he dies a broken and disturbed man who was unwilling to call upon Christ for forgiveness. The difference between Judas and Peter, both had done something terribly bad to Christ. But on the one hand, Judas ended it. On the other hand, Peter fell, and it says that in the Bible it says that Peter wept. If you'll read that section about Peter at the after the, the, the rooster crowed the third time, the, that story in the Bible, he turns and he sees Jesus carrying the cross in the distance. Oh, 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 is that not a great word picture? You think God? You think that's coincidence? And I'll bet you a dime to a dollar, I don't care how far the distance was, that their eyes met. Sometimes moms don't have to say anything, do they? Moms just look at you. Remember I've talked about how that eyebrow cocks, you know? I can't, I can't do it. Women, after they have babies, those eyebrows are they're flexible. That's amazing. The moms are that way. If you're in deep trouble, you, they don't have to say anything. They just look at you, don't they? And it crushes you. It crushes you that you hurt. Dad, you don't care if you hurt him or not. <laughs> Who cares? All he can do is just beat you, you know? But moms, you don't want to hurt your mom. Moms want to put food on the table. Dummy. Yeah. Dad doesn't cook. Mom does. Gotta hang, gotta hang on to that one. But Judas... Pushed all of that aside. And when you carefully examine Scripture, you conclude that Judas was never a true believer in Christ. I believe that the words of Matthew 7.23, when Jesus said, I never knew you, are as prophetic then as they are today, and they apply to Judas and sadly to many of us who know about Jesus, but have never truly responded to his call 
upon our life to accept that great gift of eternal life. As with all teaching in Scripture, as with all stories in Scripture, we must make an application. Let me give you five real quick. Number one, transformation. See, the story of Judas is not intended as a tragic, entertaining tale like a Shakespearean play. Almighty God preserved this story to inspire us and to guide us to accept the gift of life that is made possible by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The first sign of that, the first principle about that should be, and that emerges from Judas's life, should be transformation. Salvation creates positive change in a person's life. When a person comes to Christ, what's the first thing you notice? How much they smile. Have you noticed that? When they're first baptized and they come out of that water, what do they do? They just grin all the time. What are they grinning about? I don't know. They're just grinning. Well, you know what they're grinning about. Their burdens have been lifted, haven't they? The sins have been forgiven. They've been washed clean. How? It's like if, if the bank called you in the morning and said, Hey, that mortgage you had on the... It, it's gone. Wiped out. Well, thank you, Freddie Mac. Thank you, Fannie Mae. No, you'd want to know, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that lift a burden from you if your mortgage was taken care of? How? Oh. My son, of course, says, Dad, you can't do that. I'm out of, I'm out of work. <laughs> I don't want my son to be out of work, but I sure would like my mortgage taken care of. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be a burden lifted, wouldn't it? Whoo! Praise God. The same type of transformation that causes us to get excited about the Lord ought to be evidence when we find Christ. You ought to be different. Man, you ought to be different. Secondly, greed. Greed is gone. What does it profit a man, Mark 8, 36, if he gains the whole world but he loses his soul? I've known a lot of people that have a lot of stuff, but they're not happy. They're not happy. I mean, just look at the Wall Street. I've looked at my uh, little retirement thing that I have going, my annuity. Oh, mercy. Watch it just dwindle. And I didn't have much to start with. But I can't imagine. Can't imagine. People losing millions and millions of dollars. I'm listening to stories and reading stories about people in there that are retired having to go back to work. Why? Because they've lost all their money. Whoa. Whoa. The Bernie Madoffs of life are still out there, aren't they? And in the Bible day, it was called Judas. Greed. God's not opposed to wealth, but the Scripture reveals, as in the life of Judas, that greed can enslave a soul and prevent a person from receiving Christ. Number three is deception. The third application I want you to make is about deception. It's, it's possible to fool others into thinking that you are a Christian, and the other disciples who lived and ministered with Judas were surprised to learn that he was a betrayer. You can fool yourself, you can fool some other people, but there's one guy you can't fool, and that's Almighty God. Almighty God. The fourth application I want you to make is about judgment. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Delayed judgment is not escaped judgment. <laughs> the Bible is asks a very important question in Hebrews 2.3. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Salvation is there. It's ready for you. Don't neglect it. The answer is that we don't. Christ is the only way of escaping the judgment for our sins. And then the fifth application I want you to make is that that is it's today. Be saved today. 
The longer you put off the decision, the harder it will be to respond. Your heart grows harder without Christ. The weeds or the tares grow stronger roots every day you postpone accepting Christ. Don't confuse knowing information about Christ with knowing Christ. Acquiring facts is not the same thing as saving faith. If Christ is not your Savior, then call upon Him to save you today. Today. Many of you might know the name John Wesley. Powerful Methodist preacher and hero of the Christian faith. And what many don't know is that John Wesley was saved, converted, born again as an adult after having already served as a missionary to Savannah, Georgia in the 1730s. While traveling from England to the colony of Georgia, John Wesley's ship encountered a terrible storm, which he thought would take the life of all those on board. And during that storm, Wesley noticed the confident faith of a Moravian Christian named Spangenberg. The two men talked about the difference in the confident faith of Spangenberg in facing death and the fear of John Wesley. Spangenberg asked John Wesley a question, And John Wesley was embarrassed. He said, Sir, Mr. Wesley, do you know Jesus Christ? Wesley responded, Sir, I know Christ to be the Savior of the world. Spangenberg then asked Wesley a question that would change Wesley's life and the history of the world. Spangenberg said, True, but do you know that He has saved you? Judas knew that Jesus gave sight to the blind. Judas helped the disciples distribute a miraculous meal to over 5,000 people that Jesus provided from five loaves and two fishes. Judas saw Jesus walk on water and command the wind and the waves to submit to his authority. Judas heard Jesus declare, For God so loved the world that he sent his only and one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Judas knew that Jesus claimed to be the Savior of the world, but Jesus was not his Savior. Don't make that same mistake. Be saved today. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, in the blood of Jesus Christ, to touch lives this morning. Father, I know there are people in this room who need to respond to you. There are people in this room who need to give their heart to you and be transformed. Father, there are people in this room who need to decide to walk the narrow path that leads to life and not that wide path that leads to destruction. Father, I ask you this morning to be very real among us, to may your spirit move in such a powerful way today. And God, we just ask you that we will respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.